Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality, as well as the many things you help us to accomplish for the sake of the gospel around the world. We do not take your support for granted. Do me a favor. Go ahead and like and share this podcast. Leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. That would help us get in front of more people. Uh, If you're enjoying this podcast weekly, I would also just encourage you to consider becoming a podcast supporter. You can go to the homepage of this podcast, anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number for everyone. And you can find out more information on how to do that on a monthly basis if you would like to. And then also we encourage you to click on the message tab. Leave us a voice message or a question to feature on an upcoming episode of our podcast. Here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We want you to be a participant. And so here we are at episode 37. But before we jump into this special difficult verses episode of our podcast, I want to share with you just a quick uh, observation and an email that we received from one of our listeners. So we heard from Sean, and he reached out uh, and and wanted to make just a quick observation on one of our episodes way back, actually back to episode three, and uh, it was our episode on righteousness. What is righteousness? And he writes, in the episode, when speaking of the Mount of Transfiguration, you said that Peter says that they should build synagogues essentially for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, and Jesus rebukes Satan Uh, I'm sorry, Jesus rebukes Peter, rather, saying, Get behind me, Satan. In both Matthew and Mark, however, the rebuke of Peter is six days prior to the Mount of Transfiguration. I was wondering if maybe there was something within the context of the story that I was missing, or if you simply got the stories mixed up. Anyway, just curious, uh, because that truly changes the story to hear it that way. Thanks in advance for any response. I do appreciate it. And, uh, And so I... I went back, re-listened to the the podcast, and sure enough, Sean's correct. Um, So what I answered to him was, uh, I'm not exactly sure where my mind was was going in that particular episode. So uh, I'll just tell you guys up front— With our episodes here, these episodes are not scripted. Uh, We do put some time into uh, topics, and uh, we do our best to have the references up and things like that. But at any moment's notice, um, my mind is going to tend to wonder. And so I know that uh, when, when Peter is rebuked by Jesus and he is called Satan, it's in very close proximity to the Mount of Transfiguration. And so um, I, I probably have one of two things in my train of thought. One was uh, I, I simply misspoke because of the proximity uh, to the encounters. But then also um, there are times where when I'm talking about Peter, I refer to him as, you know, that Peter's kind of always getting in trouble, always putting his foot in his mouth, you know, the whole get behind me Satan Peter, um, which is kind of tongue, you know, tongue in cheek, but uh, it communicates a point. And so <clears throat> I want to make sure uh, that uh, that we do keep everything above board and that we don't mix our signals as much as possible. And so I do want to thank Sean for pointing that out. And again, I want to encourage you guys, go ahead and let us know if something pops up that you have a question about. That's what this is for. Um, we, we want you to to voice your concerns or voice your questions, voice your whatever. We want you to be a part of The Kingdom is for Everyone. And so, so thanks again, Sean, for that. And I hope that uh, that helps to clear up that issue there on when Jesus rebuked Peter, calling him Satan. It actually wasn't on the Mount of Transfiguration. It happened prior to, but in close proximity. 
Okay, we're going to jump into episode 37, and this is another special Difficult Verses episode, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Let me read these verses to you. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. And you go into verse 14 there. We see that for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so, you know, I heard these verses growing up and quoted often. And we pretty well had this figured out. So the narrow gate um, is it's the difficult path. Uh, oftentimes, even a lot of our, our art, modern art, the narrow gate looks more like a, a narrow staircase. Oftentimes, um, a precarious placing of a staircase, perhaps on a mountainside, and, and you got a few people here and there kind of going. And, and of course, it has to be a staircase because they are, they're going up to heaven. And, and then the, the wide way, which, you know, is usually uh, looks like a you know, six-lane highway, freeway, lots of people just enjoying the ease of their journey, and you see the end result. There's hellfire there in the distance. So the narrow gate goes to heaven, and the highway to hell, um, you know, as is popularized by the famous song, is traveled on by many, and uh, it's very easy to walk on. And so I want to deal with this because I, I believe that much of our modern understanding of these verses is problematic, especially when we look in context of the verses. Matthew 7 is the third chapter of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And at this point, we you, you would have built a lot of context for who Jesus is speaking to in severity and what he's establishing and releasing uh, to those who would, would hear and believe and trust on him. So the, the bulk of the Sermon on the Mount, he is identifying and dismantling the old covenant, old order system. So the system of the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and he is showing them the great and and dramatic contrast between the system they built and the kingdom of God. Okay. And so I, I would think it'd just be odd that, so he, he's, he's doing that. I mean, all, you're talking all throughout the Beatitudes, you're talking about uh, the, um, the, the Lord's Prayer, and then we get into Matthew 7. For him to all of a sudden change what he's trying to communicate to, oh, listen, you know, um, you got to follow, go through the narrow gates so and get to heaven and go through, if you go on the highway, you're going to go to hell. But everything else before that has been, I'm dismantling what has come before me, the religious facade of what's come before me. And I'm establishing a new day, a new kingdom based on righteousness, peace, and joy. Um, so we got to go back and look at this. So uh, what is the narrow gate? And and so first, I got a couple other verses for you. The narrow gate refers to the same thing that Jesus said in, t- in John 10, 9 and John 14, 6. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So first, we want to make sure that we answer this head on. Jesus is the narrow gate. He's the narrow gate. He's the only way to the Father, the only way into the realities of the kingdom of God. And the wide gate is any other way. The, 
The narrow gate is Jesus. The wide gate is any other way. And, you know, and this would seem obvious that Jesus, I, I would, I would say he, he's certainly referring to the world, but he's, he's referring to the religious system of the Pharisees because their system of observing the laws of the Mosaic covenant are included in the wide way that Jesus is condemning. So we got to be really careful uh, about what we think is a narrow way and what we think is a wide way, because again, I mean, he's talking about the whole um, system, the whole observation system, again, works-based system of trying to close this this imaginary gap between us and God. Uh, you guys have, you, 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 you sell the gospel, you make a mockery of, of the heart and nature of God. Uh, here I am, the king of the kingdom. You reject me, don't receive me for who I am. And so their ways, which by the way, were, were highly honored and esteemed. Uh, these, you know, the, the scribes and Pharisees were well respected in uh, the culture of that day. And he's telling them, your way is part of the wide way. Um, there, there are people that think, right, they, they think that they're going to enter into the blessings of God by observing your way, and they're going to be so disappointed because it's ultimately going to lead to destruction. And, and, and there are uh, many who are going to, to, to go straight to, into destruction based on observing the law. Um, and so I, I actually don't even believe what Jesus is talking about is heaven and hell right now. He's talking about life that is full of blessing, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom of God or life that is destruction. And so uh, the follow-up question, which is rightfully asked, well, what is destruction? It is life that does not have righteousness, peace, and joy, right? It's, it is reality experienced right now. Do you know anybody uh, in your world that um, they just, you, you don't see righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, they don't know who they are. They don't know that they're loved by God. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. No peace. Come on, ruled by stress, fear, um, ruled by the news headlines. Oh my goodness, that'll get you afraid quick. Uh, joy, no joy, depressed, anxiety, fear. So they're, you know, people who are living the wide way. Um, and then the narrow way, oh, there's some joy there. There's peace there. How, do, how did they find that way? Well, Jesus is that way. He is that way. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5.20, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, Christ is using the commands in the Sermon on the Mount to convict his unbelieving audience. These unbelievers, they must possess a righteousness that is greater than the most righteous people they know. And who are the most righteous people they know? The scribes and Pharisees. The only righteousness that God would accept as basis for entrance into his kingdom is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. That's, you know, we see that in Romans 3, 21, um, Romans 4. Lots of good verses there. Jesus was using the law and its application in the Sermon on the Mount to convict the unbelieving people of their ability to be righteous enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is what I love about relationship with the Father, relationship with Jesus, is they are not lifting up a standard of performance. For any of us to try to perform, follow, cross T's, dot I's, that is not what it's about. Um, our righteousness is His righteousness. It's said of many places in the New Testament that righteousness is the free gift of God. And Jesus identified that kind of righteousness 
as a greater form of righteousness than that of the scribes and Pharisees who had devoted their entire lives to keeping the law. So he's showing us that that is not the way. That is not the way into the realities of the kingdom of God. Those ways will not produce righteousness, peace, and joy. It's just not going to work. And 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 so I, I've said this often throughout the history of this podcast to this point. The law is is not about righteousness. The law never even pretends to be a cure for sin because it doesn't. It can't. Uh, and so the law is not intended to be a source for righteousness. Instead, it's meant to point us to the source, right? And, and uh, you know, there are times, and, and I've heard this, I've had this asked of me, I've heard it asked of others as well, especially those that are trying to lean in as much as we understand in the moment to what we believe is the authentic gospel, because it, it can be pretty polarizing, right? That people say, well, are you just saying you just need to throw out the Bible and, and um, you know, and, and, and just uh, ignore it and just, you know, love Jesus? Well, I definitely agree with the loving Jesus part, but I, I would never say to throw out Scripture because Scripture, um, especially when it's understood and received as it's intended to be, and that's a loaded, loaded statement there, it points us to Jesus. Uh, and so um, as long as the Bible's pointing you to Jesus, well, then that, I mean, mission accomplished, right? I think where things get difficult for us is when we replace our relationship with Jesus with a, with a relationship with a volume of a book. Jesus and the book are not the same, not by a long shot, right? Jesus is the is the word spoken of in John 1, he, and this is not talking about a book that was somehow floating around eternally within the heart of God. No, the, the volume of the book, right, is a person. His name is Jesus, and uh, if you can even accept this, we were part of that volume. And he keeps speaking today, you know, Isaiah 55, 11, I love that verse. Um, Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God will not return into him void of power. And while that certainly can, can apply to prophetic utterance, I also believe it just speaks about us, right? Um, the way that God uh, breathed life into Adam, he spoke Adam into being. And and so I believe that the, the promise of that word, every word that comes from the mouth of God, you are a word from the mouth of God. It's not going to return to him void of power, which actually is... Uh, that's, uh, I guess, a, a poetic, uh, academic way of saying uh, it will return to him successful, right? Return to him successfully. Uh, Luke, let me, let me end with this thought. Uh, Luke 17, 20 and 21, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And I believe he used that word intentionally, that thought intentionally. Uh, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within. There are several translations. Some say at reach, some say in your midst. Um, I think about as accurately as it can be stated is the kingdom of God is within. Uh, and so, you know, again, one of the things that religion does so hard, you know, it presses so hard for us to buy into is the thought that the kingdom of God, listen, we don't even care if you really believe about the kingdom of God, as long as you believe it's going to be somewhere else for some of the time, and, and it's going to require a lot of work to get there. Uh, but then relationship says, no, no, there's uh, there's no distance, no separation. There never has been. Don't buy into that lie, and, and, and just believe that is the hard work of the kingdom of God. And so, you know, the next time uh, you're uh, debating people, and, you know, it's, again, it's so odd that discussions of heaven and hell come up around the narrow gate. Uh, I don't find any reference point for that contextually 
in what Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. If anything, it's more of an indictment against the religious system that came before him and then showing people what the kingdom of God looks like in contrast. Uh, And so a more accurate statement would be, um, you know, when someone's kind of trying to throw up some legalism in your face, right? Um, And... um, which is what is legalism? I mean, said and done, it's any type of performanceism to receive something from God that you are convinced He otherwise would withhold, but it hinges on your behavior. Okay, that's a mouthful. What I just said. Go back and hear that again. That really is what legalism is. It's any type of performance. Okay, so there's anything that I can do in my own strength to make God give to me something He otherwise would withhold. But, but it hinges on my ability to perform. That's legalism. And so I'd be like, why are you trying to preach all that wide gate stuff to me? That's the wide way, <laughs> right? The what, what, okay, the narrow gate. But I got to make sure I, I comment on this. Like I said, again, at the start of this, these, these episodes aren't scripted here. Um, I, I've got an outline, but then I just want to share this real quick. What is, what is the narrow way? It, the word narrow is used, not meaning that it's not easily found. It's not meaning that... Um, it's just this very obscure, um, only the academics can find him. It's narrow in terms of accessibility, meaning there's only one way to the Father, right? And so you've tried all these other ways. There's 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 a hundred thousand other ways, and, and you know you, you add a hundred thousand beside each other, and it turns into a quite a wide way. There's just one way to the Father. He's not saying that the, the way is concealed from you. He's not even saying that, um, you know, there, there's no joy in it or love, la- laughter, love. Of course, that's all a part of that experience in God. But but he's, again, the narrow gate is him. He is the narrow gate. He's the one way. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you in that today. Let's not turn that to a heaven and hell discussion. Let's not make, you know, these diff- these verses that are meant to bring life and joy, let's not mess them up by reading our own uh, bad theology into them. And, and, and again, uh, I'm not assuming I'm right on everything that I say or share, but I'm saying for most of us, just a little dose of some healthy context goes a long way with these difficult verses from time to time. All right, I just want to uh, end it there and... Um, I just want to remind you of a couple things before we finish out. Uh, please do me a favor and visit our websites. Go to HesterMinistries.org, and you can find out more information about we what we do. Um, we've got a new e-shop there, uh, and we'd love for you to you know purchase. We've got audio series, books, all kind of great things there. And uh, travel is picking up. Um, we've got a few dates available for the remainder of this year, which is amazing to think about. God is faithful. God is good in that area. And I'm just so grateful people are hungry for the gospel. Uh, Also go to presenttruthacademy.org. We literally just wrapped up our 10-week study on the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, if you want to be a part of that, you can go to our eShop. You can purchase that, and you can get access to all of it immediately. All 10 sessions, videos, quiz work, all that fun stuff, and take it at your leisure. We'd love to partner with you in your journey into truth. I want to remind you one more time, share this podcast, leave a review. That helps us get in front of more people, and that's ultimately what this is all about. All right, well, next week, I I, I normally don't uh, give us a heads up what we're going to be talking about, but next week, I'm just so excited, uh, but I I do want to share a little bit about what it means to be desired by God, and um, and so you don't want to miss that. It's going to be one of the feel-good podcast episodes of the year, guaranteed. 
All right. Well, listen, have an amazing week. And thank you so much for letting us be a part of your Tuesday or whatever day you listen to these podcast episodes. We don't take it for granted. It is a privilege for you to allow us into your life and into your space. All right. God bless you. Listen, hey, I want to remind you of this. If the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you.